praise the Lord. We respond amen in Africa when we say praise the Lord. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, like I said, uh, I was here years back, but uh, that was for my career adv advancement. I am here on a no more nobler task, and it, uh, my heart is elated. I'm so excited. It's, it's a, different, a different feeling that it gives me. Uh, as you open your Bibles to the scripture text we just read, I just want to say thank you for having me here. Thank you. I would like to thank Pastor Liam for inviting me to Pillar Network. I want to thank you for the warm uh, hospitality that's been shown to me by sweet, sweet family, Colin and Mary Humes, and today by Pastor Paul and Fiona. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me here again. I want to ask, uh, I want to ask a quick question. What uh, do Africa and Scotland have in common? Okay. Uh, okay, I'm not going to wait too long because I don't have a lot of time. What has Scotland sacrificed for Africa? Excellent. That's it. Yes, Dr. David Livingston, the son of your soil, is known as the greatest missionary and explorer to Africa. I would call him a true friend of Africa. You know, he spent half of his life on earth uh, devoted to exploring the African continent and actually searching for the source of the Nile. I wish he came to Ethiopia, we could have shown him. He was, he was known for his self-denial and enduring various kinds of illnesses and loss of loved ones, his wife and his son. At the end, he perished, working tirelessly to get Africa open to the rest of the world. This demonstrates the gospel-born love he had for African people. He had intense desire to help the continent come out of its many plights, slavery, disease, cannibalism, and people perishing in lots of conflicts. Dr. Livingston lived and died not only taking the gospel to the continent, but passionately investing himself to open up the continent for Christianity and commerce. He was quoted as saying, as for me, I am determined to open up Africa or perish. Even though many anti-colonial activists see him as one who paved the way for European colonization of Africa, those who know him closely attest otherwise. One of his friends said of him, David was the, uh, a man of impeccable character. The secret for that is that his religion is a constant and earnest, sincere practice. David said of himself, it's my desire to show my attachment to the cause of him who died for me by devoting my life to his service. Although many do not agree, exploring Africa, trying to open Africa, he saw that was his task. Many wanted him to do just gospel evangelism. In, in, in their mind, he failed that job. 
as he promised, and many attested, the end of David Livingston's exploration of Africa became the beginning of the enterprise of mission to Africa. As one historian recorded for us, Africa became at once the favorite field of, for missionary enterprise of almost every denomination after Dr. David Livingston passed away. Just think about that. What caused David Livingston to spend half of his life in Africa in an uncomfortable place where he could have lived a comfortable life in Britain? It's because he loved Christ. It's because he loved to preach the gospel. It's because he loved African people. Because he desired Africans to know Christ. He wanted to open up the continent for evangelism and actually for a decent life. In the scripture text we just read, Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 20, we see not only the cost of true gospel partnership, but the joy of true gospel partnership between the great apostle Paul and a small, faithful, vibrant church that he planted in the region of Philippi before he was imprisoned in Rome. Epaphroditus, a messenger from the church in Philippi, brought some gift to Paul, and Paul, now in Roman prison, is sending a thank you letter to that church with many valuable gospel truths and instructions. I am aware that Charlotte Chapel saints have been active in proclaiming the gospel and in partnering generously with the spread of the gospel here in your, your local community and beyond. So my prayer tonight is for us to learn deep truths of godly gospel partnership from Apostle Paul and the Philippian church and for us to be filled with the godly joy in our gospel partnership endeavor. Let's now look at this text uh, step by step. The key idea flowing throughout Paul's letter to the Philippians relates to joy and contentment, love and charity or kindness. We know from Galatians 5:22, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 that these are the fruits of the spirit and they are interconnected. In the text before us, contentment is the foundation for the joy of gospel partnership. I'd like us to examine three truths revealed in the text that we just read. Number one, gospel partnership rejoices in the Lord. Truth number two, gospel partnership enjoys the love of the Lord. Gospel partnership is ultimately for the glory of God and for our joy. So three truths I want us to look at. Truth number one, gospel partnership rejoices in the Lord. We see this truth in all the chapters uh, of the Philippian letter or the letter to the Philippians, but especially chapter four, verses four to 13. Paul builds on what he has been saying in verses four to seven. In verse four, for example, he gave instruction to, instruction to us or to his audience to rejoice in the Lord always. 
And now, in verse 10, we see him demonstrating rejoicing in the Lord in his own, in his own life. In verse 6 and 7, he instructs us not to be anxious, but instead through prayerful dependence on God to enjoy the protecting power of God's peace. Paul expresses godly commitment, contentment in verses 11 and 12, even though he has needs, very dire needs, very serious needs. Paul demonstrates contentment in his own life by the way he handles different challenges. He says he has learned to be content in whatever situation and in any and every circumstance. Because contentment in, in his life, Paul can rejoice. Because of contentment in his life, Paul can rejoice not only when he receives gifts, but when he, his needs are not met. Beloved saints of Charlotte Chapel, our joy in the Lord must not be slave to our circumstances. Even if Paul is in prison somewhere in Rome, he still loved the church that he established years before, as shown here. His joy is in seeing the grace of God produced in the saints of this faithful church. Because of the gospel working out in their life, they have borne the fruit of love and care for him. Brothers and sisters, it is a greater joy for the receiver when one sees the fruit of the grace in the giver. We can learn here from Paul how to love brethren the right way and commend the, their care in the right way. When Paul commends them for having re revived their concern for him, he does not want them to think that they weren't concerned for him when, he, when they did not send him gift. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Paul acknowledges that they didn't always have the opportunity to tangibly demonstrate it. But still he has no misgivings about them when they could not give him any gifts. Because of his genuine love for them, he makes great effort so that he, misunderstanding does not arise between him and them. And he says, painstakingly, he shows to them he was not taking advantage of their generosity. Also, Paul expresses very thoughtful thoughtfulness when he deals, when he expresses the difficult circumstances that he's going through. The difficult circumstances have not led him to be discouraged or downcast or discontent or deficient in joy. But he was content before the gift arrived he was content after the gift arrived. Because his contentment is not dependent on what was given to him or on his needs met, but on unfailing love and grace of Jesus Christ. Paul says repeatedly, I know, I have learned the secret in verse 12 of this chapter. The key lesson is in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
my question is, are we content, brothers and sisters? Uh, or are we lacking joy in the Lord because of not having what we need? Do we have such joy and peace in all situations like Paul did? God's will for us is to be content in every situation by depending on Jesus. However, as sinners, we tend to mis mishandle poverty or equally mishandle abundance, don't we? Paul instructs us that contentment is as important in good times as it is in difficult times. Brothers and sisters, the Lord knows which of these each of us may have difficulty with or difficulty to handle. We need him to rescue us from discontentment due to difficult circumstances or false contentment because of abundance. Both discontentment due to lack and false contentment due to abundance constitute disobedience to Jesus Christ. Verses 11 to 13 teach us that the joy of the gospel is the heart of all joy and contentment. Great rejoicing and contentment in the Lord has everything to do with the gospel or understanding the gospel. As we were exhorted this morning, we are to love the Lord and his church. And we are to love the word of God. So the second truth from this text, gospel partnership enjoys the love of the Lord. Godly love is the foundation of genuine partnership. Verses 14 to 18 are a window into a healthy gospel partnership arising from that. In reading the whole letter, we encounter the word partnership repeatedly. Partnership involves sharing together in gospel-created life. There are several instances in the whole letter of the word partnership repeated or repeatedly used. For instance, in chapter 1, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel. Chapter 1, verse 7, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 1, so if there is any part participation in the Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering and becoming like him in death. In chapter 4, verse 14 and chapter 4, verse 15, you see these phrases repeated again. Yes, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Verse 15, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So these instances clearly point to the relationality of Christianity and the significance of collaboration for Christ's gospel. Now in verse 14 and 15, Paul highlights key aspects of gospel partnership he had with Philippian church. The apostle had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He was not left to face this trouble alone. 
However, the Philippians shared his trouble. Their love and care for him was consistent in thought and in practice. As we see in these two verses, verse 15 and 16, these saints began to partner with Paul from the very beginning of their Christian life and supported his missionary work on multiple occasions. Dear brothers and sisters, healthy gospel partnership is an expression of love for Christ and his gospel. It's driven by the desire to advance the gospel. Hence, those who receive the gospel enter partnership with those who are seeking to advance the gospel. We need to pause and ask ourselves a question. What is driving our support for one another in the local church or beyond? Is it because we love and care for each other? Do we desire passionately for each one to have strength to continue serving the Lord, his church, the Great Commission? As we have seen in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, verses 14 to 17, healthy gospel partnership is not self-serving, but others-serving. It's not self-centered, but others-centered. In gospel partnership, contentment and love work together. When we have godly contentment in our life, we are preoccupied with following Christ and serving others in his name. Paul says in verse 17, now that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He's concerned for the Philippians they are concerned for him. Love works two ways. This should make us recall what Jesus said to his disciples in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, number 19 to 20, or verses 19 to 20, read like this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Dear brothers and sisters, when we are growing and prospering spiritually, as we pour ourselves in love for others in the church, we lay up our treasure in heaven. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is so joyful over the Philippians' generosity to him, not only because it is good for him, but because they are storing up heavenly treasure for themselves. My last point, the third truth that this, the text reveals to us, gospel partnership is ultimately for God's glory and for our joy. As everything else is, giving and receiving gifts in gospel partnership is ultimately to glorify our Lord. We must be convinced that God's glory must be our greatest aim. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, we see that God is to be glorified if and when we depend on him. The love displayed to our gospel partners in God glorifying worship is God glorifying worship. 
I repeat that sentence. The love displayed to our gospel partners is God-glorifying worship. Gospel partners are worship partners. In verse 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul certainly appreciates the tangible blessing from the Philippians or the necessary provision they sent him for his daily needs. But he focuses them on the worship side of it. Brothers and sisters, Almighty God is watching when the giving and receiving happen. As we see in verse 19, gospel partnership trusts God's promises, God's promises. As Paul instructs us, and, and my God will, he says, my, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This promise teaches us to depend on God for every need we have. When we forget our dependence on God for everything, we dishonor him. And this promise is for faithful believers who love Christ and love Christ's church and live for Christ's kingdom. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, verse 33. Do we believe that for our life? My Christian brothers and sisters. Well, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, this does not apply to you because you are not seeking his kingdom as priority. Yes, God has given life and breath and everything as he, has, as he does to everyone, including unbelievers. Because God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 tells us that. But the point of Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 is not God's general provision given to all humans. It shows that God grants special care for his special people who trust in Jesus Christ. We must remember, however, God's promise to supply every need does not mean that we will not go through times of need. What Paul says in verse 19 does not contradict what he has said in verses 12 and 13. The effect of believing the promise of God will supply every need of yours should settle our hearts, though, into the joy and peace in Christ. If there is anyone who has not surrendered their life to Christ, I mean, if there is a non-believer here in this audience tonight, I want you to know that true godly joy, true contentment, is available only to those reconciled to God in Christ. God is an excellent giver of eternal life. Whatever you are, whatever you have, will not in any way be near that. 
our Heavenly Father gave his only son to, to, be, to, to humble himself, to become human, so that he would die the death we all deserve. So that, the, so that whoever believes in him and turn away from their sin can be reconciled to the Father and become a child of God. So if you are here and you have not turned your life to Christ yet, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, I appeal to you to turn away from the perishing world and give your life to Jesus Christ. God's gift leads the giver and the receiver to a heartfelt worship. With hearts full of praise, we shout glory to God. We should cherish God's glory as the true ultimate goal of all things and as the true and ultimate goal of our entire life. This should lead us to have desire to be conduits of God's generous supply to other people. Or the promise that God will supply every need of yours should free us to be generous to others. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather to honor your name, to honor Christ. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that the word that we have heard transforms our life, turns us away from the world and love Christ and love to love you sacrificially and to to be gospel partners with joy and contentment. We all pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.